Hey guys, I have got Emily from Georgia on the phone. And I, first of all, before we even start, before I thank Emily for coming on, I want to thank Emily for other things. First of all, she's a nurse. Her husband is a veteran of the United States. I want to thank him for his service. And not only that, but Emily also in her nursing career works with vets. I can't thank you enough for everything you do, Emily. So thank you first and foremost for all that before I even thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. It is a pleasure to work with vets. That's where my heart is. And uh, I just love it. <laughs> all right. So Emily, you wrote me a little while back and said that you, you grew up in a haunted house and you have tons of stories from back during those days. So first of all, how old were you when these type of things started happening? So this was when I was uh, uh, about 19 to 20. And this was actually a rental property that I rented from my family. So this wasn't my childhood home, but okay. I lived there for one year while I was in nursing school. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you and you just uh, tell us some of the experiences you had there. Okay. So like I said, this happened when I was about 19 to 20 years old. Um, this would have been around 2013, somewhere around there. And I ended up living in this house for about one year. Honestly, we couldn't take it much longer than that. So we ended up moving out. Um, but I want to give you just a little bit of background on how we came to rent this house, because that does kind of come into play. Um, my parents own about 40 to 50 acres a farmland. This is in East Tennessee. Um, and it's been my dad's dream to kind of piece back together what the original property would have been like in the 1800s, because it was a big farm, but it got kind of, you know, split off and sold up to different people throughout the year. So anytime a little piece of property that connects to his comes up for sale, uh, he tries to buy it and piece that together. So that is how um, we came to acquire this rental house. And uh, this house actually is just not even a mile down the road from the house I grew up in. Um, so I knew the lady who lived there and we're going to call it Miss Gray's house because that was Miss Gray who lived there when I was a kid. She's a you know, little sweet old lady who loved to garden. Um, and when she passed away, like I said, that property came up for sale. So my dad bought it. When the first day that we went down there to just kind of look at it and see what would need to be repaired and redone, um, you know, we looked through the house and he decided it pretty much needed a complete remodel. So my whole family's pretty handy. Um, my grandparents, my siblings, our preacher, our neighbors, um, they all kind of got together and decided to work on this house like a little pit crew because they wanted to get it done quick. Um, so we ended up like ripping the carpets out, replacing the floors, hanging drywall, painting. And as soon as we all got down to the house, like the very first day that we were going to start work, there was just a really ominous feeling about the whole property. Um, and from the outside, it didn't look that way. You know, she was a little lady who loved to garden. So there was flowers blooming everywhere and those little concrete sculptures of bunnies and stuff in the yard. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you walked in, it was just like a dark presence. And it always felt like somebody was looking at you or peering over your shoulder. Even with a bunch of people there, it was just dark and weird. Um, so we all started, you know, working on little projects here and there. And uh, one day, it, we had worked really late throughout the day. A lot of us were there and everybody went home but me and my dad. And we decided um, we were gonna work on the bathroom and finish the tile because he'd been cutting tile in there. So I decided to stay with him. It was late at night. 
and he was cutting tile with a little skill saw. So I was sitting in the bathroom with him and uh, we both started feeling this really uneasy feeling, but we didn't really say anything about it. And my dad's a major skeptic anyway, so he didn't even want to admit it for the longest time, but um, he would cut tile. And then when he would stop and that little saw would stop, we would hear something outside. And it sounded like somebody was dribbling a basketball and then like shooting a ball and it would go back down. And so we're out in the country. There's no concrete around this house. Like it's in the woods. Um, and he would stop and be like, did you hear that? And I would say, yeah, I heard that. He'd go back to cutting the tile. So this went on for probably 30 minutes. And we finally walked outside and looked and we could hear something right in front of the house, but we couldn't see anything. So it was like somebody right outside that bathroom window was just dribbling a basketball. And so we were just kind of like, I don't really know what that is. You know, it was late at night. We, we left and went to bed. So after that, we finally got the house remodeled. It took a few months. Um, me and my friend were, you know, I had a roommate and uh, we were going to move in. So as soon as we moved in, we were both in nursing school and both waitresses. So we were working all the time. When we were at the house, we were just laying down to go to sleep for a few hours and leaving. So the very first thing we noticed was lights just coming on, you know, um, or like a key. We had a little key fob thing at the door. We would hang our keys on. Keys would be missing. And at first we were just kind of like, well, we both work a lot and we're, you know, maybe somebody's just leaving the light on and not really paying attention when they leave the house, that kind of thing. Um, so it was stuff you could kind of write off and was just little. So one night, me and my friend, um, we've maybe been in the house a week. Uh, we got off work. We were laying on the couch, just watching some TV together. And uh, we had had the light turned off, but like the ceiling fan still going. So the, you know, the, the light switch was on, but the, the, the bulb itself was off. And, you know, the fan was going and we're just watching TV. And um, it was maybe 10 o'clock at night. We're just winding down for bed. And all of a sudden the cord from the ceiling fan goes ka-ching. And it's an old cord and it pulls down and we hear it. And we look up and the light's on and we're like, Okay, that's weird. <laughs> so uh, we're like, all right. And, you know, we're like, maybe the, where it's like an old chain, it was just kind of hung or something and the wind blew it. And, you know, we're trying to rationalize it. I'm like, all right. So we get up and we pull it down and, you know, try to watch TV for a few more minutes. Well, about 15 minutes passes. And right where our living room was, um, that bathroom was like the door right next to it. So it was really close to our couch and we're just hanging out. And all of a sudden we hear what sounds like somebody open the bathroom window, fall through it and knock everything off our bathroom counter into the floor and then fall onto the bathroom door because our bathroom door was shut. So we heard like a body go. So we just thought somebody broke in, you know, because we had a really low window and we're like, it'd be easy for somebody just to lift that window up and crawl in. And we're like, you know, they know we're two girls living here alone. We're young. They think we, they can just come rob our house. So we were super scared. Um, I called my dad to come down there and it's late at night. So he's mad. You know, he comes whipping down the road. He has, a, he has his nine millimeter in his hand and he's like, you all stay put. I'm going to come clear the house, make sure there's nobody in here. So he starts looking through. And the craziest thing is he opened our bathroom door because we hadn't even opened it yet. And the window was shut and there was nothing in the floor. And I mean, we heard like hairspray cans fall. We heard, you know, stuff like break into the floor. Uh, it was a very noticeable sound. And so he goes through the whole house. He looks under the house, nothing there. 
So at that point, he's just kind of aggravated. And he's like, I'm going, you all need to just go to bed and quit trying to scare yourselves. You all have to work in the morning. I have to work in the morning. He's like, you're just making this up. He was really aggravated. So he left. Um, and that was the first main thing that kind of made us think it's more, to, it's more to it than just a little light being left on. You know, like there's a presence here. Um, and that's my first little segment if you have any questions, because then it's going to get crazy. <laughs> so let, let me ask you about the, uh, the basketball sound. I mean, yeah. was it was it that clear that that's no nothing else that it could have been but a basketball dribbling issue? Because you made it sound like that was so obvious. I mean, is yeah, that the way you still take it? Yeah, it's just like that rhythm of like a just a couple little bounces and then shoot. And it was very rhythmic. You know, it was like that that same amount of time every time. So it'd be like three dribbles, a pause, a shoot, nothing for a few seconds. Three dribbles, pause, a shoot. It, it was like on a loop almost. Yeah, like somebody shooting a free throw or something with their yeah. little rhythm and natural. Yeah. Huh. And like I said, we're in the country, so it wasn't like in a subdivision or something where you have concrete. You could hear like a neighbor play, and it was like way back in the woods. So, and, and no concrete patio or anything to dribble on. So was, that was really bizarre. My favorite part is the uh, the chain on the ceiling fan because that's something that can't just happen on its own it takes a little bit of uh, a little bit of effort to pull one of those chains down especially when it yanks back yeah because that's what happens once you pull it it does kind of yank yank itself back a little bit so that's what's amazing because i don't think wind or anything could do that that physically takes some force and it was like i said it was an older light fixture so it was kind of hard to pull anyway like when we tried to pull it we really had to pull down and you could hear that distinctive click. And of course the light came on and we were just like, <laughs> you know, that was the first thing I was like, this is really something, you know. Well, now I'm intrigued at what happens next. It, it, it gets crazy from here. So just hang on. <laughs> okay. So after where we thought somebody broke in the house, um, of course we went to sleep and stuff and tried to go about our, our life. And we, we tried to not psych ourselves out and make ourselves more scared. You know what I mean? Because we, like I said, we were in nursing school and working waitressing all the time. Like we didn't have time to be up all night, not sleeping. You know, we had stuff to do. So we, we tried for the longest time, just write this stuff off. Um, so after that, my friend invited her younger cousin over and her cousin was like, maybe like 15, 16. And this was right when one of the new iPhones came out. So her cousin like went and bought a new iPhone, came to spend the night at our house. And, um, we decided we were all going to like sleep in the, in the living room, you know, like make a pallet in the floor and like watch movies and stuff until we fell asleep. And, uh, so we were doing that. Um, me and me and my friends slept fine. You know, there, it was an uneventful night for us, but the next morning we get up and we notice that her cousin Jessica has like no blanket on her. She just kind of laying there in the floor, like on a pillow, but like nothing covering her. And we're like, well, maybe she just got hot and threw it off. We're going about our day, just getting ready for work and stuff. So Jessica wakes up maybe like an hour after we've been awake. And she said, guys, I've had the weirdest dream. We're like, okay, what'd you dream? And she said, I dreamed that somebody came and yanked my blanket off in the middle of the night and rolled it up and threw it in that middle room. And there was like a little, kind of like a hallway room at the end we never walked through there. It was just a little bitty room. She's like, I dreamed somebody threw my blanket in there. And uh, she said, I also dreamed I, I walked in there, I got it and I laid back down with it. 
and then they yanked it off again. And we're like, well, that is weird. Well, then we hadn't even been in that back room that morning. So we walked back there and the blanket that she went to bed with was wadded up in a ball <laughs> in that back corner. <laughs> so we were like, okay, well, that wasn't a dream. <laughs> so <laughs> she's kind of freaked out. We're trying to calm her down and, you know, not make it seem like this is a big deal. Well, that at that same time, like she got that brand new iPhone right before she came to our house. And of course, she's younger. So she was like real excited about showing it off and stuff. Well, she goes like get on her phone that morning and it's, it's deader than four o'clock. That phone doesn't turn on. It's been plugged in all night and it, it won't even turn on at all. So we're like, well, maybe you have a bad charger, you know, maybe it just didn't charge overnight. We tried to let her charge it on our phone chargers. It wouldn't do anything. So she leaves and she takes her phone to like the Verizon store and they, they can't even get it to turn on. They said the battery and stuff was so drained. It was like a, a dud of a phone. They're like, what have you done to this? She said, nothing. I just went, you know, stayed at my cousin's house. So they had to give her a brand new phone. And I thought that was bizarre because, you know, like all the energy stuff, um, you know, and it was not time when she got it. So she'd literally plugged it in, went to bed. And the next morning it was done. For Shot. Yeah. So that room that her blanket got pulled to, um, it was kind of just like a, almost like a little passageway. I think that the old the people who used to live there just had like a little like bistro table in it with just two chairs because it's so small. Um, we didn't really ever use it for anything, but that room we always saw shadow people in. And so basically if you're sitting on our couch and you're looking like towards the TV, there would be like the threshold that goes into that room right there. We would see shadow people walk back and forth all the time, peek around that corner, look right at you. Um, so that room was always really creepy. Um, so that's kind of like the second thing that happened that was that was major and that made us think, yeah, there's really something to it. Um, shortly after that, my friend and I both had to work the same day, but she had left before me that day and I had slept on the couch that night. And, uh, you know, I heard her get up, get ready, grab her keys, start her car up and drive off, you know, out of the driveway. And you know that moment of like when you wake up and you know you're awake, but you're still trying to like lay in bed and just soak up those last few minutes. <laughs> you know, like you're fully awake, but you're kind of thinking like, what am I going to do for the day and stuff like that? Yeah, I did that for about two hours every day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was fully awake. It had been like 15 minutes, but I was just like, oh, I got to get up and go to work. So I was laying on the couch and my eyes were even open. And all of a sudden I felt hands strangle me pin me down to the couch and like grab my throat and hold me down. And I couldn't scream. I couldn't move. Um, I couldn't do anything. It just, it scared me to death. Cause of course I wasn't expecting anything like that, but that lasted for probably 15 seconds. I mean, it was like full on hands uh, and my eyes are open this whole time. I didn't see an apparition or anything like that, but I definitely felt something. And I grabbed my keys and my work stuff and I left. I got ready at my parents' house that day. Um, but all this stuff was just starting to happen, like back to back to back to back to back. Um, and most of it in that living room and then going into that middle room. Um, so let's I'll, let's take that that incident yeah. there. How long had you been living there? Like the first stuff happened. How long had you been living there? Like when this happened? Uh, maybe a month. Oh, OK, so all this was really quick. Yeah, it was super quick. And like I said, we moved in like as soon as it was remodeled. So I kind of think like that started up and it didn't have time to die down. Like basically as soon as the day came that we had vacuumed up 
everything, we started moving our stuff in. Um, but yeah, it, it maybe been a month when the choking thing happened to me. So it was just like right off the bat. Um, so this is where it kind of transitions and gets to an interesting history part. Um, right after this, my dad had a birthday. And so I wanted to host a birthday party there. Cause it was like a milestone birthday for him. And I bought him like a Grim Reaper cake to say he was over the hill and all that. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I invited a bunch of, you know, his friends and family and we probably had like 30 people in this little house. Um, but what was cool was one of the ladies who came, her grandmother was Miss Gray that had lived in that house when I was a kid. And so my dad had gone to school with her like all his life. Like, you know, we've grown up in this small town. We know everybody. And before we could even say anything, Angie asked my dad, she said, do you think this house is haunted? And my dad's like real skeptical. And he's like, no, no, it's not. And she's like, no, this house is haunted. She said, when we used to visit Mama when we were a kid, she said, we'd never go in that back bedroom ever. And um, she said, whenever they would play with like toys, like her cousins would come, they were boys. So they had like trains and trucks and stuff. She had dolls. She said, they'd go play in the living room for a minute and then go outside. And when they'd come back, their toys would be pulled into this back bedroom. And this back bedroom was connected to that room that I said, was kind of the passageway where the shadow figures were. And she said, things would just get pulled back there. And she said, they would never go in that back bedroom to get them out. Like if there was, if her doll wasn't there, she'd just leaving it. And so we were thinking, well, if that was happening when she was visiting her grandmother, which is Miss Gray, then the ghost we thought could not have been Miss Gray. Cause that was happening while, you know, she was alive and a younger woman. Uh, right. So that ruined our first theory of, oh, it's just a sweet old lady. So we're like, no, no, it's not a sweet old lady. Um, so we thought that was kind of bizarre that the granddaughter would just write, straight out mention it to us before we ever said anything to her. So we're like, okay, there's some confirmation there that there's some stuff going on. So as the party's ending, um, a few people stayed to help us clean up because we'd gotten like those foldable tables and chairs and stuff out to make room for people. So they're kind of helping us clean everything. Well, this is winding down. It was just me and my roommate left. And uh, she went back to the kitchen to grab her phone. She had left it back there. And I was sitting on the couch. Well, she comes running as fast as she can from that kitchen and jumps on the couch. And she's just like crying. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, something just talked in my ear. And I said, well, what did it say? <laughs> and she said, I don't know. It's a language I've never heard before. She said, but it got right in my ear. She's like, I felt lips on my ear. And it said something to me. And it's a language I've never heard. And so we're like, looking back, we're trying to think, mm, okay, so what does that mean? Well, to give you just a tiny bit of history, like I said, this had been a big farm at one point in time. And we kind of think that the house that we, that we were renting may have been like slave quarters at one point. Unfortunately, I know that's awful to say, um, but we had tried to dig into the history of the house. And there's also another thing it could have been um, right behind the house. They say there's an Indian burial ground right there because there's a big like mound. Um, and it's not a natural curve mm. of, of the hill. It's, it is a man-made thing. Um, and we know there was Indians there. Part of my family is Cherokee. And um, we find my dad found a tomahawk back there one time, like the head of one. We find, uh, what am I trying to say? arrowheads down there all the time it's right by a big creek so we know years and years ago that's where they camped out and stuff 
So we're like, could that, could either one of those things be like the unknown tongue that she may have heard, like maybe like a Cherokee language or, you know, even if there were slaves could have been like a native tongue from, from that time. Um, you know, just trying to think what, what that would have been. Um, but there was a lady at my church. She's like the oldest lady in the community at the time. She's in her nineties and we, she had her mind about her still, you know, she's a great historian. She could tell you the history of anybody's family, anything. So we started asking her about that house. We said, do you know, do you know when that house was built? And, um, according to her, her, I think it was her great aunt and uncle rented it from somebody like rented it in the early 1900s from somebody. So we tried to pull like property tax records from the courthouse and see if we could find like actual date. But the first records they had of it was when Miss Grace has been remodeled it like in the thirties, but we know it was there before then. So, but we just can't find that like exact document to say, this is when it was built, you wow. know, but there's a lot of possibilities there. It's been super old and remodeled several times. Um, I'm going to pause here too, because where there's a few more things after this, if you have any questions. No, I mean, that's, that's uh, pretty straightforward there. I mean, it's, it's cool that you have taken the time to try to at least look up the history of the, of the. Yeah. And, and, and another thing you can look up is not just the house, but the history of the land, because it's possible being in Tennessee that there could have been uh, maybe some civil war battles done on yeah. the property or, you know. Yeah. And we know Andrew Jackson did own like a large part of that area. So you know, my dad's really tried to look into this too, because he really likes history, but it's kind of like they own two other properties that connect and there's been little small houses on them too. And we think like there was the master's house and then maybe some other, you know what I'm saying? Slave quarters and outhouses. Yeah. Yeah. That were kind of spaced out. So we think that's what that is. We don't have any real document to prove that, but we think that's likely what it was. Um, So this is probably like, to me, the weirdest thing that happened at all, like period. Um, at this point, we'd been living in the house maybe three months and uh, my friend was engaged. So a lot of times she would stay at her fiance's house. So I'd been at the house by myself for the maybe like two or three days at this point. And uh, one day after I got off work, do um, you remember when the Ninja Blenders first came out? Like they mm-hmm. were they were advertised all the time. Okay. So I had bought a Ninja Blender because I was going through that phase of, I was going to wake up in the morning and make green smoothies and be healthy, you know, all that. So I bought this Ninja blender like one night when I got off work and came home, took it out of the box and put it in my cabinet and then went to bed. Well, like the next day I got up and I was excited because I was going to get it out and like try it out, see how good it was. And um, I'd kind of slept in. So it was maybe like noon and I looked at my cabinet and the base of it was there, but like the blades and the cup and stuff was not in my cabinet. And I was like, that's really weird. I was like, I know I took it out, put it in there. Like the box was still sitting in my kitchen. So I was like, nobody's been here. So we didn't have really good cell reception in that house. So I had stepped out on the back porch to call my roommate and see if her and her fiance had like come in that morning and I just didn't wake up, you know, and they had done something. So I was staying out on my back porch. I was talking to her. She was like, no, we've not, we've not been in. And uh, I was like, okay. So while I'm sitting on the back porch talking to her, there's a big long driveway next to like next to our old backyard that went up to our neighbor's house. And she had, she had like a big horse farm, but it was like a big hill. 
and I'd seen something kind of on our side of the fence uh, boarding her driveway that was like shining the light and I thought it was a coke can so I was like I'll go pick up this trash while I talk on the phone so I walk up the hill to go pick that coke can up and when I get up there there's just like something metal like this much sticking out of the out of the dirt so I got off the phone and I was like what is this and so I started like digging in the dirt and buried deep down in the dirt was my blender blades and the little cup at the top of this hill like quite a ways away from my house buried and like packed down in there wow and at that point I was just sitting there in my yard like somebody's got to be pranking me you know I'm, I'm thinking like somebody knows that I'm scared and they, they're doing this on purpose so I was just like having a meltdown a little bit in the yard and I mean they were caked in dirt it wasn't just like thrown dirt over it was like packed in so I took them inside and washed them off and stuff and at that point I was just like I don't know if I can take this this is just just so much I mean it, it was just little things happening all the time um so this is this gets kind of cool too that was kind of the breaking point for me of like I'm genuinely scared now you know stuff is moving out of my house something's choked me something's draining the battery out of my friend's phone um something's talking in unknown tongues in my roommate's ear you know it's just it was getting to be too much so my cousin who was one of my who's one of my really good friends as well um at the time she was actually part of a paranormal investigation group and uh, they had actually at that time gotten like a contract with discovery or travel or something to do their own show oh cool that ended up falling through because the the leader of their group got really really bad sick like almost almost deathly sick out of the blue and it i don't know the details but he ended up having to be in the hospital for a long time and it just unfortunately fell through well she she was like hey we want one really good um some good footage to send into you know the company that we're working with to get our show out there she's like do you want to have them investigate the house and I was like yes please do that so at this point this has been almost like I, we were in the house almost a year so we'd probably been there well it'd been right out a year because we were getting ready to move out um when we set this up so we'd actually moved out at this point and uh, they came to do the investigation. So it was winter time at this point. And um, we'd been out of the house a few weeks. So like my dad had like turned the heat way down and stuff, you know, since nobody was in it, um, had kept the house locked and everything. So they were very strict. That investigation group was very strict about their protocol and stuff, like not telling people that you're doing this investigation so they don't try to tamper with it and try to like come in on you and stuff. So they kept it everything like, to a T the way it's supposed to be. Me and my friend went down there to meet them. They wanted to wait till like late at night. We went down there to meet them, to unlock the door and stuff. And um, as soon as they all got there, we start going in this front door. I've got the key and I'm walking, I unlock the front door, but get to that, I get to that um, middle room where we see the shadow people. And off that middle room is our kitchen. Our laundry room is just a little like closet with no door connected to that kitchen. It's just a tiny house. As soon as I get to that middle room, the light in the um, laundry room pulls down and turns on. So the whole crew's there with me. They're like, okay. So they're like, right away, they're like, okay, we know you're, you're not making this up. You're not joking. Like they know right away something's going on. Um, so I kind of get them set up and stuff. And, and then me and my friend go and we like leave. We're like, we don't want to be here for the whole thing. You know, they're like, we'll call you if 
something gets really active and it wants to interact, you know, we'll let you know. Cause we were just living up the road. So we left them and it went, we were probably at our new house, like not maybe 30 minutes. And they, they text us and they said, come down here, come down here. So we drove down there. Soon as we get in, um, they were in my old bedroom and they had, what is that little, um, I can't even think of what it's called. It wasn't the voice box they were doing, but where they make the light turn on and stuff. You know, like if you're asking a yes or no question. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, so they've been asking them some questions and stuff. Well, as soon as we walk in the house, um, the light they had been using in that room started blinking like 30 times in a row. Like it was just going off, going off, going off. And so they had asked it like, do you recognize these girls? And it was like, yes, 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 blinking. And they'd asked it a couple other things. It kind of died down a minute. And then they asked it like, did it want to hurt us? And it was like saying, yes, it wanted to hurt us and all this stuff and was um, blinking like crazy. And then while it was saying that, my friend was standing next to me in the doorway and she just falls to the ground, like holding her throat and can't breathe. And so I like walk her out the front door. As soon as we get out into the yard, she can finally breathe. But she was like, she didn't have asthma or anything, but you would have thought she was having like a full blown asthma attack. She's like, that's never happened to me before. I don't know what happened. Like she didn't, she said she didn't feel anything come choke her, but it was like her breath was cut off. So that was when they were asking it, didn't want to hurt us and did it recognize us. So that was kind of strange. Um, the other thing that was weird, they said was they, I didn't notice this until later when they were talking to me about it, but it was like um, maybe early January. So it was cold in Tennessee. It was one of the coldest nights of the year. I remember it had been like less than 20 degrees outside. And they said, as they were waiting on the porch for us to get back, there were frogs everywhere. They said there were frogs sitting on our porch, sitting on like the stairs to our porch. I'm like, frogs don't come out. Yeah, not in the wintertime. In the wintertime. And they were like, they had tried to tell me there was some kind of connection to evil or something with that, which I don't really know about that part. But they, I, I do remember now there being frogs and they were like, yeah, those frogs were all over the house, on the outside of the house. And I was like, Hmm. I do remember that, but I didn't even put the, that connection together. You know, I wasn't looking for frogs. I was like, there's spirits, in that. <laughs> you know, um, one of the guys though, like one thing it always did for us was it would move our keys from where we had a little hanger on the front door to the back of the house. You know, everything got pulled to the back of the house. So our car keys would wind up back there. Um, we didn't tell them that, but they hung their keys on that little knob to try to keep track of them when they came in the door and two sets of their keys ended up inside the dryer in the back of the house. <laughs> um, they also had one guy who his job was like security, I guess, like make sure all the windows are locked, make sure all the doors are locked. And um, during during the process, he was sitting in a folding chair in front of the back door in the deadbolt unlocked behind him. Um, now they caught shadow people they caught some voice stuff um but unfortunately like like i told you the the guy who was running it he got really sick like almost immediately after this happened like i have no clue where the footage and stuff is i've asked a few times but he still has some chronic health issues and i feel kind of i feel kind of right. bad like pastoring him like hey can i have my video stuff because he's really been going through a lot so i don't i don't want to bring it up but they did tell us that um our house was the most active residence they had ever been in um, mm -hmm. And they were for sure sending our footage to, you know, the company that they were contracting with at the time, um, which, like I said, that didn't pan out. But these folks had been doing it for like seven or eight years by the time they had got to our house. And they had been to some very historical places in East Tennessee, like 
national parks and big historical homes and had, I mean, even one of the guys had been scratched a few times and they said, hands down, our house was the most haunted residence they had ever been in. Um, nice. So that was, that was really crazy. So that was the main, like the big stuff that happened. Um, of course, there were some little things here and there that happened, but that was just like the, the big physical uh, things that happened while we lived in that house. What was it? What was the, the final straw that made you guys move out? Um, oh, I forgot about this. My friend had seen somebody in her bed. Like she woke up in the middle of the night and um, her bedroom was that one that Angie had said was the bad bedroom that the toys would get pulled into. But she didn't know about that at the time. But she had rolled over in the middle of the night and was kind of awake. And she said she opened her eyes and there was like an old man laying in bed with her. Um, and we got to the point we were so scared that we were sleeping on opposite ends of our couch in our living room because <laughs> we're both short. I'm five foot tall. She's five foot tall. So we would sleep on our couch, like <laughs> feet touching one head on this side, one head on this side, because we were so scared. And, um, you know, just like the, the lots would continually do, you know, be flicked on. We would see those shadow people walking, our keys would be moving. Um, and it just had this such, such a dark energy. Like even when you weren't talking about it or thinking about it, it would just feel like dread come over you. You know, we did not get hardly any sleep the year we lived there. And I remember the first night we slept in our new house. It was like amazing. We were like, we haven't slept like this in so long because you just there wasn't peace. You know, it was just constant negativity. It sounds like a heck of a story. And I'll be honest with you, that's as good or better than most of these I see on these television shows, hauntings or, uh, you know, any, any other show that comes on and talks about these real life stories. I mean, yeah. your story definitely should be on one of those shows because that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And like, I wish that we had this footage because I know it exists, <laughs> you know, because we could show you EVPs and stuff, but we didn't like, we didn't want it to happen. We didn't try to provoke it. We tried to ignore it because, like I said, more than anything, we were so busy at that point in our lives. We were working full time and going to school full time. We were like, we just want to rest, <laughs> you know, so we weren't trying to, like, make it scarier or do anything. It was just coming after us, really. Did you ever try to, like, have the house blessed or anything along those lines? So my family was pretty um, conservative Baptist. And actually my preacher had been a, a contractor and did construction for years before he was a preacher. So he had worked on the house and even he had said like, there's something in this house, you know, like it, it's, it's weird there. There's this bad energy, but um, my dad would never, he was extremely skeptical and he would never acknowledge that there was more to it, like spiritually, you know? So it was kind of like, he didn't really want us to do anything with it. He was just kind of like, ignore it. So your prayers, whatever, but he didn't want like holy water, whatever brought in. That wasn't his cup of tea. Now I will tell you about our current tenants and this part, you might want to edit a little bit because I, I want to say this sensitively and not, not say anything negative about them, but, um, the current tenant, like he's an older man. And you know how I said there was a horse farm that, that was up that hill behind mm -hmm. our house. He's the farmhand for her. And he has been for a long time, but, um, he may or may not deal some things. Um, we're, we're not totally sure, but that's kind of like, we think that might be possible. And um, my dad doesn't really care about that because he pays his rent on time. He doesn't have, he takes you. care of the property. You know what I'm saying? He takes care of the property, but there, there, he might not be in his right state of mind 
so to say, so to speak. Um, and he's a reliable renter, but I used to be a hospice nurse before I became a nurse practitioner and, and did what I'm doing now. So I would get called out on like to pronounce deaths in the middle of the night all the time. Like I'd be leaving two, three, four o'clock in the morning. And I used to have to drive past that house to get onto the main road, no matter what time of night it was, every light in that house would be on every night. And my dad still says that, and he's been renting it for like seven years. Uh, doesn't matter what time of night it is. If you drive by, he keeps every single light in that house on. So does he think it's haunted? My dad will not come right out and ask him, but I don't think you sleep with every light in the house on. Not uh, usually, unless you're Trace Atkins. Right, right. Exactly. That's <laughs> what I think of too when I hear it. But uh, so, so yes, there is a tenant who's been in there reliably for many years since we left, but um, my dad's not going to ask him that. And I, I don't think that he would just come right out and tell him because he's grateful to have the house. But uh, definitely, you don't normally sleep with every light in the house on, so... Not typically. No. <laughs> Emily, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And once again, thank you for what you do as a nurse and working with veterans. And thank your husband for his time in the military. I sure will. And thank you so much for having me and let me tell my story. Oh, I've, I've loved it. It's been very enjoyable. Thank you.